the party reaches their destination. And they come face to face with servants of corn. Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Matt. Welcome to Roleplay Chat. And welcome back to the Blood and Betrayal Campaign Diary. And today is our season finale. Ooh. So if we continue where we left off last time, the party was in an almost like an abandoned campsite, torn down village, and they found markings of beastmen. Randall, who's very good at tracking wild animals, started, you know, he did some he did some checks to make sure if he could figure out which direction the enemies headed. Uh, he was quite successful, and the party headed, continued to head towards the direction that was marked on Dietrich's map. Yeah, and they, they, they kind of come to the realization that they're probably not going to reach them in time, and they need to rest, otherwise they'll be too tired to actually deal with the confrontation that they expect to, uh, to happen. So uh, they, they, they rest a little bit, and then... They start going before, uh, during the night, I believe, mm -hmm. right? They really, like, before dawn, they uh, start uh, heading, uh, following the tracks, trying to surprise their prey. As they are sneaking through the woods, they actually have a, there, there's a storm that happens, which helps them in, in, you know, shifting through the night and using the cover of trees to sneakily work their way towards their destination. They hear thunder booming Boom. and booming. Boom. And at one point, they kind of noticed, well, this thunder is really, like, there's a lot of it for the number of lightning there is, even if it's yeah. a big storm. Yeah. And, it's and it's very it's, rhythmic. It's rhythmic, and they, they realize, wait, wait, there's a huge beast really close to us that's walking alongside us. So the party stops in their tracks and looks in every direction. And far in the distance, far enough in the distance, at a safe distance, let's say, they notice... Something enormous, crunching, crank, like eating something, hunched over in, sm in a small like barrel in the ground, in the woods. Getting closer and closer to make sure they're safe, they see that this hulking beast is in fact a troll, a forest troll that's eating rocks out of the ground. So they see this opportunity as a chance to strike quickly. Ungrim charges in. Dietrich starts to channel blue magic, and because of the rain and the storm, feels an immense surge in power. The lightning surrounds them, and Dietrich, with his power, manages to take lightning coming down from the sky and reorient it towards the troll multiple times. Ungram is there, hacking and slashing, and we're able to fell this thing in record time. The beast hits the ground, and the party is able to continue towards the beastmen, because they don't have any time to spare. As they continue towards their destination, they enter an opening in the forest. There's a small river that opens up wide and curls around a large rock, almost like a little cliff, uh, like a, a plateau of sorts. The party works their way towards the plateau when they hear singing, chanting words that they're unfamiliar with, a dark tongue that's been lost and forgotten. And they see down from the, their their vantage point, vantage point, vantage point, the vantage you got point. It. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they see that they see three humanoid, probably uh, human 
being tied up upside down by defeat with a, a circle of beastmen surrounding them and the mm -hmm. chanting of a, someone they clearly doing some kind of ritual and they have a dagger in hand and they're about to be sacrificed in a dark ritual. Yeah, one can only assume when you hear this kind of singing and chanting with that set up, something bad's gonna happen soon. So the party decides to continue to act fast. You know, they look at each other quickly, strategize quickly, and Randall puts himself volunteer to cross the river, sneak through the woods, and try to get as close as he can to these people being tied up. Uh, Ingram... Sorry, I'm just saying Randall knows oh. that if he gets caught there alone, he's toast. Oh, he's done. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's a risk, high-risk, high-reward strategy that, that the party's deciding to use here. Uh, Ungrim, who... As, as usual, wants to face it head-on and even create a distraction for Randall, runs up to the edge of the plateau and kind of tries to jump down in as safe a way possible, kind of sliding along the side of the, of the, of the cliff face. But surprisingly, he didn't notice that at the bottom of the cliff was a minotaur. So he's basically jumping there, surprising the minotaur, but surprising himself too, and he starts just fighting this thing, and the beastmen that were around the circle uh, start to head towards him to dispatch of this slayer while the leader of this ritual is continuing to chant and is not paying attention after sending his men after the dwarf. At this point, the rain has calmed down. The storm isn't as strong as it once was, but things are still pretty wet. The river is flowing and surging in some places, creating puddles. So as the beastmen approach to fight Ungrim, Diedrich tactically zaps his lightning bolts into the water at the same time as as many of the enemies as possible enter it, causing kind of a, a, a chain reaction of sorts, really elevating the strength of the lightning. Yeah, as the beastmen are receiving this surge of lightning and killing some of them, they're still advancing, but the ritual is still going, and Randall was hoping that the beastmen would just stop and go mm -hmm. deal with this distraction, and he could, like, save them, but the ritual is still going, the leader is still there. So Randall tells his pet hawk, Hackerel, to come down on this uh, big bestigore, this hulking uh, beast of a man, and steal his dagger before he can kill the helpless victims. This is definitely something that, you know, would take a lot of training. And although Hackerel is very well trained, this might be a little bit too much for him. You know, he swoops down and there's a moment of hesitation. The party and, and Randall are unsure, is Hackerel going to be able to do this? But in a stroke of luck, maybe the sun you know, as it rose, shined into the eye of the beast and uh, gave Hackerel the opportunity to snatch it out, right out of the paws of this vile creature. This sacrificial dagger now out of the hand of this beastman, this beastman looks around and is like, what's going on? And he's reaching for, some, for, his, uh, for his axe and his shield, trying to find someone who's responsible for this. And he sees Randall and just starts running. And beastmen in the forest run fast, even though it's a big creature. And Randall, being smart, just turns around and starts running. And being the forester that he is, still manages to run at the similar pace than the beastmen behind him. You know, time is now even more of the essence. The party, the rest of the party is still fighting this minotaur, the other beastmen in the river. You know, Ludolf is there, really absorbing as much of the blows as he can. Thankfully, Ungrim 
you know, as always, is, is swinging his axe and is able to fell the Minotaur without too much, you know, without taking too much injuries to himself. Yeah, as, as Ludolf is defending and using his shield to hold the line, he notices behind him, in carved inside the rocks, this inside the cliff, is a door depicting what they will find to be the symbol of corn, the chaos god of blood and murder. Mm -hmm. a very much a demon of sorts, right? I'm not too familiar with the lore of Warhammer. Well, but... he's the god of the demons. Okay, right? there demons you go. Demons are under him, so. So, so a pretty, pretty nasty guy. Mm -hmm. um, and now things are starting to come together. These beast men, a vile ritual that they're performing right by a presumably some kind of cave or tomb dedicated to a, to a king of demons or a god of demons. So this fight continues on and most of the, the, the smaller creatures were able to defeat. The big beastigore that's tracing Randald comes pretty close to, to striking him when he realizes that he's completely outnumbered. Yeah, his, his men are just gone, obliterated by the rest of the party. So he decided... I'm, I'm gonna leave. I'm not gonna fight them. I see the Slayer. I see the, the, the wizard snapping everybody. I'm, I'm just booking out of here. Um, so now there's a, uh, there's a moment of, of calm and the party approaches this, this circle of sacrifice that, they, that they've kind of fell upon. Yeah. They, they see three people tied up, you know, to, to poles upside down, right? They're upside down. Yeah, they're upside down and they're basically it's a slaughterhouse, right? Like they're they're going to cut them and blood bleed them out of and they see a kind of a container that has a hole inside um kind of a sarcophagus kind of uh stone, but there's a, a container for the blood and it's going to send the blood down a mm. tube in the earth and knowing that this is a kind of a tomb of some champion of corn, this blood is sent down to feed this this weird tomb and do the sacrifice. So they see all of that and they they, yeah. they 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 realize they really saved those people. So they approach them and notice that they have bags tied around their neck and we can't see their faces. So we approach the first one who seems to be a, a woman in 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 some form of like leather armor or what's left of it, and they undo the the bag and take her off. They take the bag off her face, and they see, you know, she's she's unconscious. She's a woman with a big X, almost like a scar from something that happened long ago along her face. She has blonde hair, all messy. Who knows how long she's been in the, the, the possession of these vile demon creatures. The next one, they go, they remove the bag, the same thing, and they notice an elderly, not elderly, an older uh, man, but strong and he has a bandana over his head, uh, uh, over his eyes, as if he's blind. Mm -hmm. And um, he is dressed as a priest of Ulrich. So they, they kind of make two and two. And they realize that the pendant they found uh, of the wolf was probably his. And uh, they're happy to have reached the, their target. And then they, they go to the last person. And they kind of recognize some of the clothes. He's wearing dark... But there's no weight, right? Yeah, like dark clothes. I mean, there's a lot of shady people in, in, in Middenheim, so they probably came across him there. And as they go to take off the bag, they see Otis. And that's where we're going to stop for today's episode and the season finale. 
So this is the end of this season, but we'll definitely continue with this Blood and Betrayal campaign diary. We're just cutting it in pieces to make it more palatable and easy to, to watch. Uh, so what we're gonna do, uh, we'll, in a later time, we'll do kind of a summary of the whole season, this what we call season one, uh, to catch people so they don't have to go through everything all at once, mm -hmm. and then we'll continue. But something interesting is that this coincides with a moment where one of our players was leaving for months. Um, and we kind of did a side quest where we basically followed the people who were just saved to see how did they end up there. Yeah, so, so the next Blood and Betrayal season is going to be about this woman with the X scars on her face and the blind priest of Ulrich and a few of their companions. And it's going to get us almost like a parallel story that's going to end in the same place where the heroes find them being sacrificed. So I hope you guys look forward to that and you actually won't need to watch that other story if you don't want to or vice versa. So if you have friends who you think might like this kind of stuff, feel free to, to, to share and tell them, you know, the next season is going to be independent from this one, although complimentary. So yeah. there's definitely going to be like cool uh, tidbits and, and, and snapshots into the other episodes. I am Chris. And I'm Matt. Welcome to Roleplay Chat. And welcome to Behind the GM Screen of the previous episode of the Blood and Betrayal Campaign Diary. That's called The Rise of a Crimson Skull. I realized that we didn't even say that. Yeah. We spent, honestly, a too long <laughs> trying to come up with that title because we're like, oh, we're going to say it in the episode. <laughs> we didn't even say it, so we have to say it here. The yeah. Rise of a Crimson Sun. Sun. Is that what we decided? <laughs> yep. So, uh, hi guys. Yeah, um, welcome. So we're going to talk about our opinions uh, about the game and maybe we'll touch a little bit on the season as a whole, but mostly about this game. Alright, the first thing I would like to talk about is the fact that there's a lot of coincidence between them, uh, the players, trying to reach a certain location and having that location being the site of a ritual and and just happen to stumble <laughs> on uh, the, um, the location where they got captured. So I was really worried about how the players would see all of these perfectly placed events in their progression. So how did you feel about it? How did you, did you experience it? I think players, at least I, can sometimes, like sometimes I come to expect these things, right? Like it just felt like a combat where there were interesting things happening. And, uh, and up until this point in the game, I think we got lucky because you know, we, we found the dead body um, mm. of the guard in the library and we managed to uh, you know solve the riddle on, on the map it, it kind of just felt like another moment where either we did the right thing or mm -hmm. or your game mastering style at this point like sometimes you punish us sometimes you give us a bone and you give us a cool moment to me that's just how it felt I, th I think you're, you're, yeah, that's a valid point, the thing where you, you just happen to experience different things in a story that I didn't even plan to put in front of you, but you just happen to be at the right place at the right time. But this one's the one that I controlled and I was going to put in front of you. So that's why I was kind of uh -huh. worried about it, that you took it, like that you perceived it, like that you noticed it. I think we would have, or at least we would have noticed it more. It would have been more obvious if there were like obvious delays, you know, like if 
if when we fought the troll, someone got hurt and we spent the night healing and like we... Mm. Had there been obstacles, there were, but had there been things that actually hindered our progression to the point where it would have been unreasonable for us to actually make it there on time, that's when I would have been like, okay, this is weird. It felt natural enough for us to be there just in time to save them. For me, when I plan those things, it's when, once you found the, the place where they got captured, yeah. I kind of had like, okay, we start the timer. If uh, you would have rested for two days, they would have been dead. Yeah, Like I yeah, wouldn't have yeah, just yeah. like, Wait and wait and wait. It's but once you have the information, I wouldn't have like if let's say you rested two days before reaching the ambush site, the the, the with the fire and finding the pendant. Then this was on pause until you reached that point. Then I started armor. Then you have time to, to the ritual. To, yeah, to okay. the ritual. I know. I know. Usually, I ask you a question at this point, Chris. But I think you had something else that you yeah. wanted to talk about. It was the first time I felt that the player really stopped and planned. For an encounter when the rats mm -hmm. in the sewers you like rushed in most of the combat was rushed in or reaction that was the first time i saw you plan and the thing with the river and the distraction and sending randall it was really well planned and i believe i left when you guys planned not because you asked me not because i i like to keep that as a surprise for me so if i had to go get a beer or go to the bathroom that's when i do it yeah, yeah, yeah. and and i was very pleasantly surprised of like a very intricate and well-planned encounter and you delivered on it so what happened that led you guys to plan for this encounter uh i mean we're just amazing players and yeah no <laughs> <laughs> uh i i think what it was it part of it was because of the setup right mm. Obviously, there were other encounters where there were a, a, a number of variables for us to consider, like uh, in, the, in the sewers with the rats and the book and all that. But in this instance, there were, like, it, it felt like we had the upper hand, for one. Mm -hmm. You know, we had the high ground, we noticed the beastmen before they noticed us. Mm -hmm. So this was our chance. Let's, let's see what we can do, kind of. So it gave us this, this setup was good, and it allowed us to like clearly take this opportunity to plan uh the other thing that i think kind of went through at least my head was like okay there's a there's an objective here not just kill the beastmen save those people and when there's an objective like that players i think tend to try to come up with a way to get to that objective And to be frank, we didn't spend a lot of time coming up with this plan, yeah. but it but it, it happened very naturally. Okay, there's people. How are we going to stop them? Randall, like the player who plays Randall, proposed. Oh, I'm going to sneak around. I'm good in the woods. Okay, good. You do that. Okay, next uh, is going to be Ungram. You're good at charging in. You can hold your ground. Why don't you make a distraction? Okay, good. Uh, Diedrich, you'll take the high ground and zap creatures in the water if people enter the water. Okay, cool. Uh, Ludolf, you're gonna go in with Ungram, give him some backup, etc., etc. So it it happened very smoothly. It was because the the environment we found ourselves in felt like it it, uh, it uh, encouraged that kind of planning. And I'm not sure if that was done on purpose. Was it done on purpose? So my idea in this encounter was to put an encounter that, if you had the upper hand, was manageable. Okay. But if it was the other way around, if those beastmen would have ambushed you, some players were gonna die. Like that that's the way I, I planned it, right? So so even again just charging in without having a plan like this would have been obviously more difficult. What I'm glad that happened is that you noticed it just by looking at it, you were like, okay, we might be in trouble even if we have or 
we have the upper hand, right? Well, I'm, I'm not sure we noticed necessarily that these mm. things were stronger and they could kill us. It was more, there, there's a probability, a high probability that they kill those people. Yeah, okay. So, so if we want to save those um, those people who were going to be murdered in a ritual, we need to get our stuff together. Like if we just charge in and don't have any viable distraction, they're going to kill them. Yeah. Some of them might hold a line and the other one will execute the other one and we yeah. failed at this point. Yeah. Even really, if we survive and kill them all of them. Yeah. Achieving success in our mind was saving the hostages. Yeah. And the only way for us to do that was to have actual strategy. Yeah. And I remember when I built, now that we talk about it, I remember that when I built this thing, I was like, there's no way they're going to save them. And just caveat to that, maybe like we need to talk about the fact that at this point, I didn't know that Otis was going to be there. That's true. It's worth talking about. So, so because I've been saying like, they would have been dead. They would have been dead. Like <laughs> Otis was, was not on the line of just dying off scene. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this might be a good segue into, mm -hmm. into the next topic for, and the last topic for this behind the James screen it is basically to be, to have full disclosure with you guys, with the listeners, uh, that, this great reveal that we had happen actually didn't happen at this point in time. What happened is they finished their combat. They looked uh, at the door, seeing that that's the location they actually were headed towards with the stars and everything. There's yeah. a coin. They need to go in there, but they're, they don't know how. There's and, a hole in the middle, and we'll yeah, go yeah. through that in the and next And at that point, Randall was on the other side of the river. He, you know, he had just seen the, the big beastman run away. So he was the one that went to go and, and take off the the sacks on the faces of everybody. But before actually doing that, we Chris just said, you know, let's stop here. This is a good moment. There's some mystery. Let's let's end it here. Yeah, and we I knew that having to like establish those NPCs uh, at this point were supposed to be NPCs. We were going to stop for a, how many months? Like it six was months? A, a while, yeah. Or maybe not that long, but one of our players was going on a long trip and he wanted to be, you know, he wanted to be still part of the story. Ludolf, Vince, uh, he was in one of our videos, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I said, might as well not have this interaction now. We'll start with this interaction. It's going to yeah. propel us with role play, and it's going to be a good start. And not just be in front of a door. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that's why we stopped there. And the reveal happened that time. Just to be clear, we're going to keep making videos. We're not stopping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this has happened... Several years, but two, three years ago, like after the game was done, we had a conversation all together as players with Chris and said, hey, why don't we do a B campaign? That way, you know, Ludolf, despite Ludolf not being there, we can still play and he, and, and the, the player who plays Ludolf won't miss anything. And then we had the idea, like, we, we kept digging and we said, whoa, what if, what if we play the NPCs that get captured? How cool would that be? And, and then that's, that's where the, that, that's where the next season is going to start off. Yeah, and, and I build next season for it to be like the events that the players saw the effect of but weren't really part of. So mm -hmm. just a sneak peek. The first one is actually the attack, the assault on Middenheim as the players were in the other village. When they arrive, I don't, I don't know if you remember, but when they arrive, they see the destruction of a, of a battle. Well, we're going to start next one in this battle and we'll basically go through everything that those uh, group of uh, Ulrikans 
go through mm-hmm. until that point where they are saved by our heroes. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really cool. And I think we could probably shoot a whole video about, about doing these kinds of cool time lapses. It might mm-hmm. be a conversation for another time. And if it's something you guys would like to see, please comment below. Uh, you can also reach out to us. You can do so by contacting us on Twitter. Our handle is at roll underscore play underscore chat. Or we have an email, which is contactroleplaychat at gmail.com. And thanks for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this first season of The Blood and Betrayal. So I think that is everything for this season of The Blood and Betrayal campaign, Chris. That's all, Matt. Let's call it a chat.